Hello and good evening. Welcome to the third episode of Extreme Tasting League Scotch Edition. I'm Dave. And I'm Cedius. And with us tonight we have the president of the convergence organization that runs the big sci-fi convention in Minneapolis, Minnesota in July. Uh, that would be me. I'm Ishmael Williams. And tonight, as we said at the end of the last episode, we have the Glenlivet and Glenfiddich 12 years. We're going to start with the Glenlivet, and while Dave gets pouring, we're going to talk a little bit to our guest, Ishmael. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, what do you do in real life beyond run the best convention I've ever been to? Well, thank you for that. Um, I work at a company that manufactures extremely good surgery uh, implements, mostly open heart surgery implements. We don't manufacture what you need to get to the heart, we manufacture what you need to actually work on the heart. Um, and I am uh, process orders, I am in customer service processing orders from hospitals all over the country. Interesting, interesting. Would you say that uh that background has been a benefit to you in, in running the organization that uh, you do with Convergence. Is that background kind of what got you into it, or was it completely separate? My background in customer service is what got me involved in Convergence and in science fiction conventions in general. The current job is just the thing that I do right now. Uh, I have a love for communication and communication, communicating with people and for treating people well. Um, and that's probably part of, a huge part of my professional upbringing. Excellent. All right, what we've got right now is we're going to be doing the, the tasting on the Glen Limit 12. As we said at the last podcast, did we say at the last podcast that we were going to be doing the stuff you'd find at a bar? Yes. That's, that, that's the impetus for having these two particular pours tonight. As both the Glen Livet 12 and the Glen Fittick 12 are going to be the two most common single malt scotches that you're going to find at a bar. And so to show the accessibility of, of a scotch, we definitely wanted to do these early on. So we're all busy nosing here. We're going to give it a good sniff and, and start giving our opinions. I'm getting a, I'm getting a pear and an apple. See, I'm, I'm almost getting a, a light lemon, a, a light citrus on mine. Well, maybe a little citrus. Yeah, I'm going to agree with the citrus. Okay. I don't smell it a whole lot, but I definitely get the... There's another underlying oh, something in there. It's, just a, it's, a, it's either a floral or a fruit. Yeah, and those are such confusing things. to Taste the first day. Don't water it yet. Yes, master. Get the order right. And I should point out, this time, instead of using the brandy snifters that we did last time, we're going back to the tumblers that Dave and I are more familiar with from the tastings we've been doing with our Scotch Club that we've done the year previous to starting this podcast um, to see if that made any difference, since Dave didn't seem to like the brandy snifters so Hated much. them. Hated them. I could not smell and drink at the same time. It was terrible. Uh, Ishmael, it looks like you've done the first taste. What was your opinion of the, the body? Smooth! <laughs> Which is always my comment. Um, I think I find it, um, I find it actually rather light. Um, I believe the Golden Limit is triple, triple filtered, so it is going to be a, a lighter taste than a lot of the single malts that you're going to find. 
um, because the, a lot of the flavor does get muted a little bit when, when it is triple filtered. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely it's a it's a softer flavor, and uh, I would still say that I, I feel a uh, I, I do feel the the fruit, um, and I do get a little bit of the citrus in there as well with that. I, I would say that the citrus is definitely coming through in the body for me. It's still a very light flavor in terms of that, but I can also agree that there's definitely some other secondary underlying fruit in here. It is not just a citrus, and I'm trying to place what else it would be. It's I'm so really thinking. You know, I think I'm going to agree that I believe it's pear. Yeah, there might be a light pear to this. It's definitely a white fruit. Uh, pear is very tricky because it is an extremely delicate uh, flavor. Yes. So it's very, very tricky to mix that with anything. We're all adding the light pour of water now to the pour. I'm getting a, a re-nose. Uh, comment on the finish pre-water for me. Um, it was, it was, again, pretty light. Um, there was definitely a, a sharpness with the alcohol, uh, slight spice yes. to it. Um, just a very light tingle. Very smooth overall, very light very flavor. Smooth. Yes. And uh, definitely picking up more of the fruit with, uh, with the water. I would say the mm. citrus gets muted and yeah. the pear comes out a little bit more. Very much so. Water. Very much so. Now, I have to uh, admit to my bias on anything in the Glen family. Uh, like many people, I started out with blended scotches. And so my first introduction to single malt was probably Glen Fitting. Mm, sure. um, and progressed rapidly through some others, uh, Lafroy, Lagavulin. Uh, and there was always a steady diet of the Glen family. So sure. I arrived at the conclusion that you really sort of can't go wrong with the Glens. That's that's true. It's uh, it's definitely uh, it's it's a it's a staple of, of the of the Scotch for sure. I uh, I started on the Glen number twelve, and I, I I always keep a bottle. It's not the best. It's not the worst. But price is right, and I drink the heck out of it. Yeah, I'm gonna say for me. Uh, I generally often have at least one bottle of something in the Glens uh, myself. Uh, with the Glen Livet, the, the water, I would say, again, muted the citrus on the body as well. I'm definitely getting the, the light pear flavor. It softened it even more, so it, it just has become very smooth. I get more of the spice after the water. I agree. Actually. It lingers a little longer. Yeah, the, wa does. the water holds the finish. And uh, that, it's a, a nice kind of spice on the tongue for keep you warm. I, I would definitely longer. say that this one is compared to a lot of the ones we had in our first episode. Improves being wet versus neat. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would, I would agree with that. Definitely. So are we ready to rate this one? Or we want to think about it a little bit more? Finish um, meal is done with his pork. He, he definitely likes his own living. <laughs> I'm done with mine too. I'm take this last little drop of tea. I'm the slow poke tonight. Um, well, I think for definitely for its its age and and its dollar value that it's it's well worth the the, the caliber of, of, of scotch that it is. It's not a 21, so it clearly can't rate with a 21. But uh, you know, I'd give it a, a 3.5 for sure, just because I it is something that I would like to I, I do keep on my shelf at all times and. I feel that it's something that I can use as an introductory scotch to pretty much anybody and, and get a, a well-received review from. So 
I'm going to put it at a 3.5. I'm going to be like the East European judge, and I'm going to wait for the other contestant before I score this one. So noted. I don't get to get away with being last this time. It's well played, Ishmael. Well played. Um, I'm going to agree with Dave. Uh, this one is, is definitely something to keep around uh, for its price point and for its age. It ranks highly. Uh, I'm only going to give it a 3.25. Um, it is definitely above average, which would be the 3, obviously. And it, it loses out for me because I know that there are others of the caliber that I like a little bit more. But there's absolutely nothing to complain about here. It's a great intro scotch. Um, if you're going to buy a bottle for people who are not well-versed in scotch, it, it's a great way to start. It's an excellent way to start. Absolutely. All right, and our next bottle. No, we haven't had the score from Ishmael yet. Oh, he's, he said he's going to wait until he tries the other bottle. Oh, he's going to be like a judge. Yes. Oh, that other contestant. Okay, yeah, so I thought he meant me. No, no, he he was waiting for the for the other one. He's oh. going to score them both at the same time. He's, Is that legal, Dave? Have we decided? Uh, I don't think we have a rule written for that. Well, yet, I guess so. Ishmael's setting a precedent. Don't anybody get any ideas? <laughs> So our, our next bottle is going to be the, the Glenfiddich 12, uh, which Ishmael's already said is one of his favorites. So uh, we'll start with that and... Uh, Continue I'll... on with a, with a little bit more interview here. Uh, we mentioned that he is a high muckety-muck, high kuba of the uh, Convergence organization. We've mentioned Convergence before as a sci-fi geek party gathering that uh, Dave and I have both attended for a number of years. That see a, a perspective from someone who has been one of the founding members of, of the organization that, that got this convergence started when it kind of, is it fair to say it split off from Minicon or is it kind of not, I mean that's sort of the sense I get to some degree. It's, but it's fair to say it split off from Minicon. Minicon elected to do a huge change which was great for them. Uh, we wanted to preserve what we felt was for us, the most enjoyable aspects of Minicon, and that is the, the sort of big party, big circus-like atmosphere, big tent atmosphere, with the focus on science fiction and fantasy. Um, that was 14 years ago, 15 years ago, some number of years ago that I really don't want to remember because I don't want to think about how many hours I've put into this. Uh, it has retained a lot of its original flavor of being our first year theme was it's just after all it's just a big party uh, but at the same time we do try to present different concepts different ideas different thoughts different approaches to science fiction fandom in costuming in broadcast media in literature literary media we come together just to have a good time and celebrate this thing that we all love and there's certainly a number of people that uh, are, are very grateful for the fact that you have decided to put this together. Uh, I, for one, have been in attendance for at least a dozen years, and I would never consider not going to Convergence uh, unless something is keeping me away. I, I would have to have two broken legs and and no wheelchair to, to, to not go. So you know, one of our one of our proudest thoughts was realizing that as the economy took its downturn, people began to opt out of additional vacations because they couldn't afford it, and convergence became their main vacation for the year. That was a very proud moment. 
for us in recognizing that we had put together something really special and something that really attracted people. Yeah, no, I've, I've been, my first con was 2000 and... I'm sorry. My first con was 2000. I'm sorry. I, I thought it was pretty great. I, uh, I volunteered for 15 hours straight for con suite and because uh, I wanted the shirt. <laughs> and then uh, I volunteered a grand total of 20 hours that day. And, uh, Excellent. The reason why I'm apologizing is 2000 was an extremely difficult year. Yes, it was. That was our yes, tragic it was. year. Yes, it was. But uh, uh, I ended up uh, as a con suite's up head the next year, and then uh, I was a co-head for the two years after that. So uh, it worked out well, and uh, the trials and tribulations of that first year really, really good put me through the paces and nothing's been worse ever since. So. Excellent. Well, I want to I want to thank you for that and thank you both for all the time that you guys put in along with all the other volunteers. All right, so we have the Glenfiddich 12 now. And I'm going to be a little quiet on the tasting notes because I already kind of peeked at them and uh, oh, just to make sure that we had them. That's the other thing we didn't do. We didn't have you read oh, the Glenlivet notes. Oh, you're right. I did forget to read so, those. So, so we're, we're, we're going to go back very briefly and let Dave read the notes on the Glenlivet bottle to see whether or not the tasting notes agree with what we had to say. The Glenlivet 12-year-old elegantly combines the gentle aromas of summer meadows. Did you taste the summer meadows? This should count. Did you taste the summer meadows? I tasted no green at all. And tropical fruits. Fresh, tropical. Yeah. Fresh floral flavors with notes of vanilla, and you yeah. the vanilla, vanilla, develop into a soft finish that adds an enticing richness to this acclimated single malt whiskey. That's all the notes? That's all the notes. That's, that's, that's what it's got. That's what it's got. Well, that's interesting. So, um, with, 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 with the Glenfiddich, I'm definitely getting some sort of apple, maybe? I'm getting honey. Oh, yeah. Getting yeah. honey and pear. Oh, he's going to go the other white fruit on me. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm going to go the other white fruit. See, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking honey on Braeburn's. What I'm getting here. I don't even know what a Braeburn is. It's a particular apple. Oh. I'm that kind of snob. It's okay. You are that kind of snob. I, I know. I, I know you accused me of being the hipster in the first episode when I used the expression. But seriously, I there, 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 there's a reason. They, they smell different, Dave. I like my Honeycrisp. Brayburner for pies, Honeycrisp for eating. Definitely takes you to pair on the taste. This one is, to me, smoother. Mm. Yeah. Definitely the body, definitely just, mm, it just, just it melts. It's right. got, yes, a richer body. It's mm -hmm. not as light as uh, the other, but it's also not heavy in its own way. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's a very well-balanced, the, the pear and the honey and fury just Make it very smooth. Yes. Okay, on the body, I'm going to give you the pear. Yeah, it's really apparent in the body. That's, that's for sure. But yeah, honey is definitely, I think, the dominant of the two uh, aromas. And you find that a lot in the space sites, too. And especially the space sites that are half highland. Yeah, because they say half and half, isn't it? Well, they classify it as, they're, they're classified as a space site as far as uh, what region they actually fall into. but. They'll, they'll cla they're classified as a space side, but they'll say they're from the highlands. So the half and halves really do like to like to try to 
be from the upper. best of both worlds. Yeah, I would say the water hits the nose by softening it. It doesn't really strengthen anything one way no, or another. I don't, I don't get anything extra from the from the flavor for that. Maybe maybe just the barest hint of vanilla, which is fairly common in space sides. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's the yeah. But vanilla also needs such a mild flavor that it's hard to, it's hard to pull out sometimes. And yet it's the ice cream I get during the, during the drugs. <laughs> and definitely on the taste, with the water, you the taste the vanilla more. Yes, certainly more in the, in, in the body. The finish doesn't seem to change much. I, it might linger a little bit longer with the water. I'm not seeing a really high note, but the, no. the, the, the smoothness, it's it, just... It just it slides down. It's as you said, it melts. Yeah. Now I would say, in, in terms of the scotches I used to keep around prior to my developing the passion in the last year, uh, Glenfiddich was definitely the most commonly found. Even though I previously had a couple of different distilleries, courtesy of Dave's flask at Con. <laughs> yes. That's my infamous, my infamous flasks. And while Ish and I are still finishing our pours, since you know Dave is a glutton for his scotch and is probably going to pour himself some more if I don't stop him, maybe I'm going to ask for some behind the scenes from Ish now because I know that every year there's a video that plays in advance uh, as part of opening ceremonies that kind of sets the the tone for Khan, and some of them have just been hilarious. What what kind of stories can you tell me about how those are developed? Where, where that idea to do them came from, perhaps, and uh, what kind of outtakes have just never made it to the, to the general public? Well, starting with the ideas to do them began with the first convergence when we knew we wanted to do something more than just come out on stage and say, hi, welcome to the party, go have a good time. And the first sketch that we did was uh, a riff on Star Wars and Jedi's and by all standards, it was very rudimentary and very, very simple. Uh, and it grew from there into being something much more full-blown. The scripting for those were usually done at our board as part of our board retreat in January or February, when we would brainstorm ideas on what the skits should be, and we would do the script. And there would always come a moment when, as we're developing the script and talking about what needs to be in the script, uh, my fellow board members would look at me and say, well, what ideas do you have? And I would go, well, none. I'm just the talent. Hand me a script and, and, and we'll go from there. I also, notoriously well known for blowing a line or dropping a line or missing my cue. Um, and at the same time, there were some that I absolutely just nailed the performance on. Uh, you wanted outtakes. There were uh, one of the most classic ones is we did a kind of a mashup, as the current term is, between um, a horror movie, it was the years we were going into, the creature feature theme. Um, and our concepts were, and I'm a little disjointed and I apologize, our concepts were that our opening ceremony skit had nothing to do with the theme of the convention at all. Nice. Our closing ceremony skit reflected the theme of the year we were closing and the theme of the year that we were bringing in. Excellent. And we did the the creature feature year, which was all about the not horror, but the more creature-esque aspects of science fiction. And we chose to meld that with Firefly, which was very, very popular at the time. And I my role was to play the doctor. 
and my fellow board member, Wendy Bowlesby, I played, I believe it was Kaylee, and the scene, the moment called for me to attach electrodes to her, her throat to bring her back to life. And once she revived, I was supposed to say the classic, it's alive. Very nice. And I totally forgot my line. <laughs> Completely and totally forgot my line. And, and a fellow board member, Tim Wick, even prompted me to deliver the line, and it just was completely and totally out of my head, and it never came out of my mouth. Um, so probably of all the skits, I was the one most prone toward dropping a line or forgetting a line, and the one most prone toward being um, ribbed about it by my fellow board members. Yeah, you, you say that it started you know, fairly small and kind of gotten to be you know, fairly well produced, but you got a, a fair amount of talent. Uh, working for things in the, in the local, and you mentioned Tim, and you mentioned Wendy, who I've seen do stage performances and yes. other things. And there's a lot of behind the scenes, um, like production work that uh, there's people from I know Transylvania Television have helped out with things yes. in the past. Um, like, how did you get in touch with all these talented people? Did they come to you and say, "How can I help with this?" Or how how did it grow into being the like quality videos that we're seeing now because they, you know, as you say, they, they started rudimentary and I remember them, like, it was obviously kind of done on a camcorder where now it's like, wow, that looks like movie produced. Uh, it's a combination of both ways. Some of them came to us and said, we'd like to do something. How can we help you? Our, our opening and closing ceremonies in the, quote, industry, unquote, of science fiction conventions are really, really well attended. And we attribute that to the skits and to the videos. So some of them came to us and in other cases, we would go to them because we had contacts with them and we would say to a group like Live Action Set, um, would you like to come and do a video for us or you know, with our, or help with our opening ceremonies? And they jumped at the chance. So it's, you know, we knew some people, people knew us and wanted to be a part of the bigger thing and that was what they chose to contribute. Excellent. Well, we'll let you uh, finish drinking your scotch while Dave gives us the tasting notes for the Glen Fitting. Yeah, this isn't really the tasting notes. This is what their their ad is. Is there actually... nothing on the bottle or on the container uh, at all? I didn't see anything on the on the container. Oh, here we go. Here we go. After twelve years, our signature single malt has complex, balanced flavor. The elegant notes of fresh pear and subtle oak making this the world's favorite single malt scotch whiskey. And that's it. So very short. Very they short. They do mention the pear, which, which we got. The they do mention the pear. But are otherwise pretty vague. Yes. Yeah. That's... And as we've said before, space sites are the most likely to engage in lots of words that tell you nothing. Uh, in, in these particular cases, they did a little bit better job, because at least they, they did line up with, with what we had to say. And they being the more prevalent and more popular uh, space sites to be found in your average pub, or at least that's true here. Uh, that's probably a good thing. Yeah. And uh, now if you know, now if you, 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 you tasted the other competitor. Now so we're going to make you go first. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no ducking this time. <laughs> well, I would give the Glenfiddich the 3.5. Absolutely. Um, as noted before, it is my favorite. Uh, it is the Glen that has failed me the least in being enjoyable. I would give the Glenlivet a 3.0. Okay. Um, closely associated with the Fittick, but Fittick just goes over the top, pear being one of my favorite fruits and one of my favorite flavors, 
even with its delicacy in working with it as a, as a flavor and as, a, as an aroma. Certainly, and especially because the blend fit it does it so well, and you just can't go wrong with that. No. Yeah, I, I definitely prefer the Fittick over the Levitt myself. Um, that being said, I'm going to give it a 3.5. Um, it's not, again, so much above average that it's beginning to be in that, oh, I must have this at all times on my shelf. But in terms of 12 years, Speyside region, intro scotches, it is probably my choice. Um, it's fairly commonly found. Again, the price point is very good. Uh, it's very smooth, and I, uh, if it doesn't come out in, in too many more podcasts, you're going to find that smooth is going to be one of those things that is going to make me rate things higher. Uh, it's definitely one of the choice things for me. I don't want something that's kicking me in the teeth too much. Uh, I do like my E-list, don't get me wrong, but uh, this, was, this one's nice and smooth, and, and I, I have nothing bad to say about it. I'm also going to give it a 3.5. Um, I, I, I don't feel that there's a... A substantially noticeable difference between it and the Glenlivet to uh, give it a higher rating. I, I, I place them both fairly, fairly evenly on on the scale. Uh, definitely, I, I do think that it, it really does have a, a good smooth flavor. Uh, but Glenlivet's just always going to be one of my favorites as far as as far as I'm concerned. It was the first scotch that I ever really had. So maybe I'm a little biased on it, but uh, I'm, I'm going to give the, the Glen Fittick also a 3.5. And uh, I had no words. My words have failed me. And that being said, we are going to close things up. Is there anything going on in the next month or two that you'd like to promote the organization's doing? I know the Geek Trivia Contest has got to be coming up soonish. Is that May? That's through our partner, the Geek Partnership Society, and it is coming up somewhere between April and May. I'm sorry I don't have the exact date, um, but that is always a good time, uh, always very enjoyable, and uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see if any of the previously winning teams, none of whose names I can call right now, and I've, oh, Dol Team Dolomite is one, um, see if any of them can come back and repeat uh, their victory. Uh, and be the champions once once again. Other than that, with Convergence itself, we have a registration deadline coming up in the middle of May, and then we're pretty much off to the races for the convention itself. Excellent. And I know Dave and I are both looking forward to that, and we'll be putting in some pre-con volunteer hours ourselves, and, and definitely probably doing some work at the con too, because we, we do love it, and we want to make sure that it continues to, to be the, uh, the good con that it is. And I've got my room in the south town. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. And thank you both for that. Convergence is run on volunteer hours and sweat, and we couldn't do it without all of our volunteers. So thank you both for the time you put in. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you for your time. Yes, thank you for joining us. And with that, we're going to give it a rest for tonight. Uh, we don't have the selections for next time. We apologize for that. But this recording session was built on a last minute attendee so ishmael again thank you very much for being available on next to no notice yeah because didn't we uh didn't we hit you up for this sort of about three hours ago about three hours ago <laughs> so, i'm honored to have been asked thank you very much so we will uh, try to be a little bit more organized next time we are young and we do hope that you cut us a little slack so we will uh, be around for an episode four on march 15th and we're going to surprise you with what we have indeed Surprises all around, and maybe peanut butter, or maybe peanut butter. Dave, I don't. Know. It just came to my head. You needed some cork dork in, and you just absolutely, it, absolutely. Peanut butter has nothing to do with corks, Dave. And oak butter. I don't know.
Uh, That's a wrap. See you next time.